mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, a new bank rate survey finds that younger investors are more likely to be proactive in response to changing economic conditions. But is that a good thing or a bad thing? Also this morning, Director Tim Miley recaps this week's business roundtable between the Center for Advanced Manufacturing and the region's leaders in business, education, and government. And the Humane Society of Hancock County is helping pet owners cope with the grief of losing a four-legged loved one. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Wednesday, August 23rd, 2023. The first thing that you need to know this morning, exactly what you want to hear right out of the gate uh, this morning, the story uh, from the uh, Newswire, experts have revealed that unwashed makeup brushes can be dirtier than toilet seats. (laughs) This is exactly what you want to hear while you're getting up, getting ready for your day, right? Unwashed makeup brushes can be dirtier than toilet seats, lip gloss, eyeshadow, um, Blush tools, some of the worst tested by Glam Tech makeup cleaner brand who uploaded footage of makeup sponges and brushes being wiped for incubation in a Petri dish. The bacteria found in these brushes can cause pink eye, acne, staph infections. This is nasty stuff that you don't want any part of. Um, this video is posted on social media and... One woman is like, no wonder I have pink eye. Uh, experts recommend washing your makeup brushes every 7 to 10 days. So, if you haven't done that recently, that may be the first thing you want to do this morning. Exactly what you want to hear right out of the gate this morning. That your makeup brushes may be dirtier than a toilet seat. That is really disturbing. Uh, So among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. Over the weekend, everybody was talking about uh, Tropical Storm Hillary was a hurricane briefly made landfall uh, in uh, California, what Mexico and California, the desert southwest uh, with the uh, tropical storm, all the rain and everything. And it wasn't just the rain that impacted Southern California. Apparently... Hillary gave a lot of people headaches, too. And this is an interesting phenomenon. Google searches and social media posts involving the words headache and Hillary spiked last weekend. Um, Doctors say that is because of the sudden drop in barometric pressure that accompanies a tropical storm or hurricane. Uh, That is the measure of the weight of the Earth's atmosphere, the pressure change affects people's sinus and navel uh, sinus and nasal cavities since those parts of the body are air air channels and uh, that sudden drop that sudden change can lead to headaches it is a very common occurrence during hurricanes and tropical storms but they don't normally get those in uh, California and so it was a new phenomenon places like Florida and Texas where they Uh, get the Gulf Coast and so on, where they get hurricanes from time to time. I guess the people there know that that is to be expected. But in Southern California, where they don't uh, see that all the time, it was a bit surprising. So 
There haven't been, as a matter of fact, they said there have not been this many, there hadn't been this many uh, searches associated with headaches and Hillary since 2016. So, (laughs) if you think about it, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, Let's see. Speaking of uh, staying healthy, I thought this was uh, really interesting, just as sort of a random thing, but I saw this story on the uh, Newswire. Um, talking about getting people to eat healthier. And this has been a longstanding thing, whether we want to uh, get kids or adults, everybody, as Americans, we need to eat healthier. We just don't have a particularly healthy diet. But according to a new study from Washington State University, getting people to eat healthier may be as simple as printing restaurant menus in a larger font. Believe it or not, they found that larger printing on menus can help diners make healthier food choices. Now, the way they researched this, participants in this study were asked to choose between menu items like a uh, beef burger and a grilled chicken sandwich with nutrition facts listed in various sizes across several menu sizes across several groups when the lower calorie options were described in larger fonts respondents were more likely to select those from the menu healthy food items could be profitable for restaurants but whenever a healthy label is attached a lot of people may assume it does not taste good as according to the washington state university researchers behind this study Uh, He says, we are trying to provide restaurants with subtle cues rather than saying it out loud. So when you say this is a healthy option, people don't want that. Oh, I don't want that. But if you are sneaky about it, in the sense that you just emphasize it with a larger font, people are more likely to choose a healthier option on their own. Kind of interesting. So we're being tricked. Said We are being tricked into these things. Uh, And here is, again, this is along the lines of uh, our health and our well-being. This is the latest story, latest thing we have to be worried about. It seems like every day we have to have something to worry about. And here it is for today. According to a study of 7,000 infants, heavy tablet use among babies is linked to a risk of developmental delays. So if you have your wee little ones occupying their time with technology, um, then you are probably stunting their developmental development. Developmental development? That was kind of a strange turn of phrase, wasn't it? Anyway, I've been spending too much time on my tablet. Uh, This is a a study out of Japan. 7,000 infants were a part of this study, which asked parents about the screen time of their little ones. About 49% of babies spent under an hour watching screens. 22% clocked in at two hours or more. Now, again, this is Japan. The study was conducted in Japan. I'm assuming that that means it was uh, Japanese families that were asked um because i look at this and i think 22 percent uh 
had two hours or more of screen time, I would think in this country that would be much higher. You know, we we have our TVs on. We're watching TV all the time, and so our little ones are watching TV all the time. Then we have all of the screen time and all of that. It's, we use it as kind of a babysitter. Maybe we shouldn't. High screen time was linked with challenges in fine motor function and social functions. By the age of two, they say this. They see this uh, impact. But it is unclear if these children preferred screen time because of these challenges or the other way around. When screens were used for educational purposes, language, language skills improved. So there are some benefits uh, to this. But uh, in general, it reinforces the idea that you should limit the screen time of your kids. This is the latest thing we need to worry about is that we're ruining our kids' brains. We're stunting their development with too much screen time. So that's the latest there. And I thought this was uh, kind of interesting. Among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, here is something to chew on because we're coming up on Labor Day weekend. Maybe it's your last big gathering before the end of the summer. And before you know it, the holiday season will be here. They're going to be segueing into Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, you know, all of that here before too long. I don't mean to rush ahead to the holiday season. I know we've got a ways until we get there, but I want to bring this up now so that you can plan for this. A new survey of 2,000 Americans finds that 65% of people say they regret telling a guest to make themselves at home. (laughs) Have you ever had that? Maybe around the holidays, you have friends and family over, and... uh, yeah, go ahead. You can stay for a while. Make yourself at home. 65% of us regret saying that to a guest. 42% say friends make the worst guests. Friends. Worst, worse guests than family members? I don't know. 37% say they would not want their in-laws to stay over. <laughs> Despite poor guest manners, 75% believe that they are good hosts. 75% of us believe we are good hosts, which so that we have a problem with our guests. <laughs> to make guests comfortable, almost half of respondents have purchased a new bed or a mattress. And I have to admit, my, my wife and I, we, we just did that. We just got a, a new mattress for our, our spare bed our, our guest, in the guest bedroom. Um. Now, we didn't spend a whole lot of money on it. (laughs) It wasn't a particularly expensive mattress, but it is a new one. Um, So what are some unwanted guest behaviors, common unwanted guest behaviors? Wanting too many meals. And yeah, uh, we've had that. They had guests over, ate us out of house and home. Too many meals, overstaying their welcome, and hogging the bathroom. Some of the uh, top complaints. So, uh, something to keep in mind again as we come up on you know the long Labor Day weekend and more importantly the holiday season right around the corner. Something to keep in mind before you open your home to guests. Just remember, <laughs> these are some of the things you're going to have to uh, you're going to have to deal with. 
And if you are a guest in someone's home, do your best not to be one of those people. You know what I mean? There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Wednesday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Plenty of sunshine expected today with the high in the upper 80s, partly cloudy tonight, uh, low in the low 70s. An elementary school student from Northwestern Local Schools near Springfield was killed when a minivan collided with their school bus. Highway Patrol is reporting to us that one student was ejected from the school bus and later died. 23 children were taken to the hospital, one of which is in serious condition. 53 people total were on the bus. 52 of them were students and one driver. The Highway Patrol says that the driver of the other vehicle and the driver of the bus were injured, but their injuries are not life-threatening. Onan's Tracy Townsend reporting. State Representative John Cross and his family are moving to Findlay. Cross's Kenton home was destroyed in a fire earlier this month. Cross released a statement thanking people for their support and announcing his family's move to Findlay. In the statement, Cross said no matter where he lives within the district, he'll continue to do his best to champion all parts of the 83rd district, saying Hancock, Hardin, and Logan counties are special places to live, work, and prosper. Classes are underway at BGSU. Bowling Green State University says this year's incoming class has more than 3,500 students, making it the largest since the pandemic. The size can be a bit shocking for new students. Tomorrow I have a class of 194 people, and I've had classes with six at OSU Lima, so a bit of a culture shock. I think it's been nice to meet so many new people from all over the place. Chase Bachman reporting in studio. The Tiffin Police Department presented awards and commendations to several officers. Among the awards presented was the Meritorious Award, which recognizes exceptional efforts and remarkable courage and dedication in the line of duty. Receiving that award were Lieutenant Jason Windsor, Sergeant Jared Watson, Officer Brent Riley, and Officer Rachel Stafford. Police Chief David Pauley says their actions serve as an inspiration to their fellow officers and the community, showcasing the highest ideals of law enforcement and contributing to the greater good. You can see the full list of officers and the awards they received in the story on our website. Don't forget, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Well, it's probably no surprise that rising inflation and the Fed's interest rate hikes have prompted many people over the past year or two to reconsider their investment strategies. But a recent bank rate survey finds that younger investors are most likely to be proactive in response to changing economic conditions. So is that a good thing or a bad thing? Bank rate analyst James Royal has looked into this. And first off, James, when we say younger investors, and we're talking about millennials and Gen Zers here, when we say that younger investors are more likely to be proactive investors, what exactly does that mean uh, in terms of how proactive and, and how aggressively proactive are they? Yeah, so uh, one of the things the Backrate survey revealed is that nine in 10 Gen Z investors were, were making money moves in the stock market, whether that means buying, selling, or 
even withholding additional investment. Uh, so they were being active in the sense of making active decisions. Um, and right behind them, seven in 10. Uh, and that's compared to an average of about 52% of all Americans. So uh, older generations were substantially lower. Um, so uh, really, though, that one of the things that we see is that uh, active investing tends to underperform passive investing over time. And so that's one of the one of the things that uh, anybody taking an active approach needs to understand about, uh, yeah. you know, how they might be affecting their finances. Yeah, it does seem to fly in the face of the traditional buy and hold strategy that has been drilled into our heads as the preferred <laughs> formula for success. Well, uh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, we've seen is that uh, passive investing tends to be active investing for virtually all investors. Um, and, uh, you know, it's basically on any given year, uh, passive investing in an S&P 500 index fund basically beats about 90% of investors, including the pros, right? The people who are you know, in theory, trying to beat the index. Mm -hmm. So, so let me make the proactive argument. Uh, Is buy and hold always best in everyday investors these days are much more informed. Now there's much more data available. It's easier and less expensive to adjust one's investment portfolio than it once was. I understand the historical data, but these days you don't have to just eat your losses anymore. Like previous generations did. Well, the thing is, certainly you're right on the it costs less today than it's ever costed to be an investor in terms of commissions and things like that. Right. Mm-hmm. You can you can get into the market and out of the market with zero commissions. That's maybe not the best thing for investors if it if it encouraged them previously to stay invested uh, due to a commission cost. Uh, the thing is, traders are likely to miss the biggest days in the market if they're, you know, ducking and dodging in and out of the market. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't it doesn't take a lot of those, uh, you know, missing those good days for your return to drastically dwindle. And then the other thing with trading is that it's a short term gain. Uh, uh, ultimately, you're trying to outsmart highly sophisticated, highly informed uh, and well-programmed uh, uh, investor algorithms. Um, and if you think as an individual investor that you have that knowledge and that skill, uh, Wall Street is very happy to take your money. Yeah. Um, you know, long-term, is an, long-term investing is a game that individual investors can win. Short-term trading is very difficult to win consistently. It is a valid point that people want to, no matter how good you think you are, Uh, And yes, there is a lot more data available at your fingertips now than ever before, but the pros also have uh, a lot more data and a lot more options at their fingertips uh, as well. So they're going to, point well taken, they're going to find a way to stay uh, a step ahead. And as you mentioned, there is still nothing wrong with that buy and hold strategy. I mean, uh, you referenced the S&P, Dow has doubled in the past 20 years, and that's even with a crater in 2008 where it dropped all the way to under 8,000 points. So is it really a matter of your, your comfort level or are there, there are other factors that are that more proactive investors haven't taken into consideration overall? I mean, why are these younger investors so much more proactive? 
the bank rate survey didn't get into exactly the reasons, but it, I, it's, I, I think, uh, a feature of every young generation where they want to go out and see what they can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you just test the limits of, uh, of what they, what they can achieve. And so, you know, can some of those go, some of those people go on to be successful traders? Sure. Um, but it's, it's not something that, um, uh, you know, that, that they can regular, you know, most people can achieve. And, you know, today it's, it's never been easier to get in into the stock market uh, mm-hmm. with just a little bit of money, you know, years and years ago it was, you know, $200 a trade just for the commission. Uh, you know, now every brokerage is easily accessible. It's online and, you know, it's literally $0 per trade. So, uh, you know, the barriers are much lower than they had been. So yeah. that's, that's a factor as well. So, you know, we talk about the results of the survey and the negative side of being too proactive and maybe shooting yourself in the foot in that respect. But uh, it, it is good that investors do have more information. They're more informed. Uh, all of these financial tools are more easily accessible. I mean, I'm looking for any kind of uh, highlights here. Well, the thing is, um, when we spoke with uh, Gen Z young and uh, millennial investors, these young investors, 53% of them said that uh, Gen Z investors said that they were looking to invest more in the market. Um, 43% of millennials said that they were looking to invest more in the market. Uh, If they take a a passive long-term buy and hold strategy Mm -hmm. uh, with those increased funds that that could be great news for them. And uh, you know, one of the things is 39% of Americans said not saving enough for retirement or emergencies or something else was their biggest financial regret. So if if they're taking a long-term approach to their increased investing, uh, maybe dollar cost averaging, adding a regular amount over time uh, to their investments. And I think that over time, that's going to work out great for them. Yeah, that uh, was interesting. You brought that up because I thought that was the other thing that was interesting in this survey. The majority of Americans plan to increase the amount that they are investing this year. Uh, speaking about 2023. So whether it turns out that way when the dust settles, we'll have to wait and see. But that was the plan going in. But again, with the caveat that investing more is not the same as investing smartly. Right, exactly. Um, And so you can play that short-term trading game with more money um, and go against uh, Wall Street's you know, biggest guns, who I said, you know, are happy <laughs> to take your money. Right. Um, or you can take that long term buy and hold approach, which is shown to work over time. And it's, you know, what Warren Buffett, for example, recommends uh, uh, for most investors. Yeah. And who are we to uh, try and outsmart <laughs> Warren Buffett? Uh, slow and steady wins the race. Uh, again, uh, bank rate yeah. analyst James Royal with us uh, this morning uh, talking about this survey on the active nature of younger investors and why that may not necessarily uh, be a good thing. We'll link it up on our webpage too. And James, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thanks so much for having us. So this week, yesterday, uh, actually, the the Center for Advanced Manufacturing sort of, um, we'll explain, uh, hosted a business roundtable uh, involving 
the region's leaders in business, education, and government. And Director Tim Miley is with us this morning with a recap of uh, that event. And we say the Center for Advanced Manufacturing, sort of, because you actually uh, are kind of tweaking, not changing the name so much right. as tweaking the name yeah. of the organization. Right. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Chris. So as we've been working for the last several months for the Center for Advanced Manufacturing, mm-hmm realize that we're just not for advanced manufacturing. We're for companies that would like to be advanced. So we're going to be the center to advance manufacturing. Center to advance manufacturing. Yeah, and we will be rolling out all that branding and then yeah, not so, too distant future, logo, website, all those different pieces. So not necessarily a, a change in your mission. It's actually a name that actually better reflects. It, exactly. It's when people would say, what is the center and what do you do? We want mm-hmm. to make sure that the name reflected what we're doing. So yeah. no change whatsoever yeah. in, the, in the day-to-day work. Now, that wasn't the point of this roundtable <laughs> no. yesterday, uh, although you talked about that a, a little bit. I mentioned uh, it was yourself. There were a number of business leaders, uh, the presidents of the uh, educational right. institutions that are part of uh, the center, uh, that are part of this uh, partnership, um, government leaders and uh, so on, Representative John Cross among them. Right. Um, who all was in, involved uh, yep. with this, uh, specifically on the business side? So th- this meeting's been a long time coming that we wanted to have. And what really spurred it is when we finalized the budget uh, this summer, when the governor signed that and mm-hmm. coming together. And what I've been wanting to do is pull together the leaders, as you mentioned, from legislature to business, to higher education, government, economic development. We had some economic development professionals there for everybody to talk to each other. So legislators have to make policy. They can only make good policy if they understand what business is going through and communities are going through. Mm-hmm. Education needs to develop curriculum and train people. Right. And they, only, they need to have the policy leaders understand because they fund them quite a bit, but they have to have industry on the other side what type of training do we need? What type of students? Mm-hmm. What type of automation are we looking at? So yesterday was an opportunity for us all to sit down. I gave a very brief overview of the center to make sure everybody knew kind of where we were at. Mm-hmm. But then I just facilitated a discussion. And the discussion went several different ways, which was fantastic. And the result is that we'd like to continue to do these. We'll see if they're they're quarterly. The, the frequency that we'll do them will mm-hmm. probably ex- expand it out a little bit. But yeah. Uh, we we had a good representation there yesterday. And uh, as for the substance of those discussions, was it was it pretty much what you expected? I mean, I'm sure you go in with some expectations about what you are going to hear, yeah, what the concerns. I, I are. was, um, you know, one thing that came up which was interesting was housing. That mm-hmm. kind of going back to my economic development job, mm-hmm. and there were some individuals who brought up the need for housing and that residential development is economic development. We were talking about workforce. I didn't necessarily expect that to come up. Mm-hmm. The other ones I mostly prompted, but one thing that people all honed in on and realized is something we need to work on is language. So if you take a look at, we have several companies in Finley that 30 to 40% of their workforce are non-English speaking and mainly Spanish speaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, one company has a large Haitian population there's a company in Bowling Green that has a large Spanish-speaking population. And beyond just at the associate level, you still have things that we've always dealt with here in Finley with the six or seven Japanese company, the three German, Danish, Brazilian, Italian. Mm-hmm. You not only have 
the associates, you have their family members or children. And how are we as education making sure, because if you're in manufacturing and all you can say is hola mm-hmm. or adios, yeah. how do you talk about continuous improvement and safety and quality and all those things that happen every day? Mm-hmm. And so that, that was one piece that I think education legislators and industry all said, yet yeah, we're, we're seeing a change in our workforce mm-hmm. and uh, with the global economy. And we need to really accommodate that. Yeah. So uh, at the end of the day, uh, then when you dis- uh, uh, discuss all of these things, and again, uh, some of the highlights, uh, again, the as you said, you kind of facilitated some of these dis- uh, discussions on various topics, workforce policy, supply right. chain operations, energy, so on and so forth. A lot of these are topics that you would expect. Um so what do you what do you do with all of that uh, input uh, and all of that those discussion points? I'm sure that you're there furiously taking notes. Uh, we we uh, we did we took notes a few different ways. We I had a scribe Ford Weber who works with me mm-hmm. um, scribed everything. We also provided an opportunity every seat where it didn't matter if you're a policy industry education or economic development. I asked them to take their comments and leave them behind. Mm-hmm. They didn't have to put their name, their company, who they're affiliated with. Right. So I got a lot of feedback. So for me, the meeting was very important. What do I do with it? Right. I make sure that the things that we're doing are what we heard and the things that we heard that we're not doing that we implement in. It also is valuable for me because there's a, we, we're not that visible yet. Mm-hmm. We're working with companies going through. Yeah. But when I have, we had nine legislators there, uh, two senators, seven representatives that have believed in what we're doing recognize the uniqueness of the partnership between the three schools Mm -hmm. i want them to see in action and hear from business what we're doing so selfishly it was really good for the center right yesterday sure for them to come and hear that of of what we're working through but you know we we had companies that is going through a digitization process of manufacturing so we're able to talk about that of how the center is working with that company to measure their cycle time and their operational efficiency equipment. Can they bring on new business? And so that would be an example of the, kind of the name changed. Mm-hmm. The company isn't quite advanced yet, right? but we're, help, there. we're, we're helping. helping. And the more we talk about what we're doing, the more companies hear that and say, oh yeah, maybe they, they can help us out too. Yeah. Um, and that also is one of the things I wanted to uh, bring up because as we talked about the last time you were here, uh, and you just were just referencing it uh, earlier, um, you're not real visible quite yet. I mean, you're right. still kind of fleshing all of this out. You're still in the early stages of developing what the center will be. Right. Um, so this can help lay some of that groundwork? 100%. And, you know, we it, it, it lays the groundwork, you know, being out in the media, all the urban media, you know, talking mm-hmm. to you and the other, other media there yesterday really ramps that up. But... I think as we talked last time I was here, we have I have a graduate assistant who started this week. We have a new staff member, Cassie, will begin on the 1st. So all of a sudden, we're building our capacity at the same time. And it's hard to go out and say you can do all this work if you don't have the, the ability to do it. You have mm-hmm. to be able to deliver. Yeah. And the other thing is, yesterday, too, we really were intentional on who we invited from industry. So uh, just looking at the list here, we had First Solar all the way to the north, we had Grobe all the way to the south on kind of I-75. Mm-hmm. Marathon Petroleum was there. Goodyear was there. Pinnacle Plastics and PBE out of Bowling Green and Paper Tech out of Finley. 
And we also made sure that the individuals represented those industries. So we had a wide geography. We had individuals there that were CFOs, that were plant managers, operations, HR. So we really had a wide perspective of industry that was there to be able to talk about the topics mm. that are important. And, you know, the biggest thing that comes up every time is training. They all, that can be a pipeline of students coming in, that can be incumbent worker training. And that's really where education shines is training individuals. And uh, kind of interesting, uh, the timing with respect to that, because again, we're just starting a new academic year right. uh, at uh, at these institutions. So, you know, the timing uh, is, is something, again, uh, just kind of interesting, as you note, this is not going to be the last one uh, of these. This will be, and on you envision this as an ongoing thing Correct. moving forward. Uh, again, uh, kind of uh, fleshing out and, and uh, uh, continuing to evolve what the uh, Center to Advance Manufacturing uh, <laughs> will be uh, moving forward. And uh, again, uh, Tim Miley is with us uh, this morning, Executive Director of the Center. Uh, thanks very much for the uh, update. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. This is Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. So this is like a, a real-life Gilligan's Island thing. You'd think that uh, being stranded on a desert island is something that only happens in the movies. But the U.S. Coast Guard recently rescued a man who was stranded on a deserted island in the Bahamas after his sailboat became inoperable. Inoperable. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, the uh, the man was stranded for three days. Excuse me. Uh, the man was stranded for three days, uh, fired flares to get the Coast Guard's attention. The island is uh, actually closer to Cuba and Florida than it is to other islands in the Bahamas. But uh, once he was spotted, the Coast Guard dropped supplies, including food, water, and a radio. They asked him, what in the world are you doing there? On the uh, the radio. Uh, the uh, Coast Guard issued a statement. We are proud to have saved this man's life. Case serves as a perfect example of why you must always have the proper safety equipment on your vessel. So. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought it was, you know, life Gilligan's Island. Um Strander down a desert island. You see these things in the movies. Apparently, they do happen in real life. Elsewhere in the uh, broken news, the story of Alan Todd May, um, who was in prison in Colorado, escaped from federal prison back in 2018, and uh, apparently made a pretty good life for himself. Um, he had a million-dollar mansion in Fort Lauderdale, living large with uh, uh, $125,000 Mercedes in the garage, Rolex on his wrist. Um, he had perfected his transformation into a man by the name of Jacob Turner. That was the name he was going by. A wealthy jet setter who hit up West Palm Beach and Fort Lauderdale like they were his playgrounds. Even had the audacity to attend some upscale events with his rich and famous friends, sipping champagne with a high society, and uh, 
that was actually his undoing. Because at one of this, uh, these swanky soirees, uh, his photo popped up on the Palm Beach Daily News website. <laughs> and that's when this snapshot of uh, Mr. May, a.k.a. Mr. Turner, reveling in his newfound glamour, uh, ignited his downfall. An eagle-eyed observer saw through his act, his rich and famous act, setting off a chain reaction that has now led to his recapture. (laughs) After an anonymous tip, he is back behind bars, undone by his propensity to living up the high life. (laughs) When his photo of the the soiree appeared on, uh, on social media. Social media to the rescue again. (laughs) back behind bars this is kind of interesting speaking of uh, social media an american airlines passenger uh, shared the story about a fellow flyer using pepper spray on board how do you pepper spray onto a plane i thought that was one of the things that the tsa would confiscate if they if they caught um the uh, woman on the flight who shared the story said that she was uh, traveling from Miami to New York on Sunday when someone discharged pepper spray on other passengers in the cabin. Uh, The flight in question was diverted. Uh, The woman said, we thought we were going to die on board. It was incredibly scary not being able to breathe this pepper spray. the, um, The person in question on this flight claimed that the pepper spray was discharged by accident. You accidentally discharge your pepper spray on an airplane. The uh, FAA is investigating. Speaking of uh, things uh, being discharged that really shouldn't be discharged in public, a Michigan man is accused of spraying bodily fluid on a woman shopping at a Walmart in northwest Indiana. Dontrell Morris has been charged with battery by bodily bodily waste. That's the charge. Battery by bodily waste for the incident earlier this month. Authorities believe the substance uh, in the... Well, they're not sure exactly what the substance was that was uh, sprayed on the woman. I'm not sure that I want to know. Mr. Morris left the scene, was arrested... In a nearby parking lot, he is behind bars. Bodily fluids. <clears throat> Battery by bodily waste. That's probably not a charge that you see. If you're a judge, you know, in, in a courtroom, that's probably not a charge that crosses your desk every day. I would hope not, anyway. Uh, this from... The international filed the uh, broken news. Apparently, they have a raccoon problem in Germany. I guess they've got raccoons everywhere. I didn't know that uh, raccoons were native to Germany, but uh, the raccoon population is on the rise. And apparently, they have a, a big problem in Germany specifically, is that the raccoons are uh, become they picking up this propensity for drinking beer. It is Germany, after a while. 
After all, the rodents have been going so far as to break into people's homes to try and hunt down their favorite brew. Uh, These animals, according to one German newspaper, these animals, which are so cute at first sight, have become a plague in some parts of the country. uh, Bernard Langenhorst of Germany's Nature and Biodiversity Conservation Union has witnessed uh, incidents of raccoons enjoying a pint, and he says this, while it may seem amusing, um, please refrain from giving rodents alcohol. It's not healthy for them. (laughs) That's very unusual uh, when you have to actually tell people, please refrain from giving rodents alcohol. (laughs) It's not a statement that you... A public statement that you expect to issue every day. Please refrain from giving rodents alcohol. And lastly, the broken news this morning. This from uh, Coeta County, Georgia, where a man now faces felony charges uh, for a unique theft. You've heard of porch pirates before. This guy is an actual porch pirate. He stole his neighbor's porch. Stole his neighbor's porch from the front yard. Uh, the sheriff's office confirms the case to a local news outlet. Robin Swanger was arrested after he swiped an 8 by 10 wooden porch. Um, while the, the property that he stole it from looks abandoned, given that the uh, wooden structure was the only thing left behind when the house was removed, the owner asserts that it was not free for the taking. And he, (laughs) even worse, Mr. Swanger not only stole the porch, but he ignored the no trespassing signs that were clearly posted. (laughs) Investigators uh, have said this is the uh, most unique porch pirate case that they have ever seen. Uh, The porch was valued at $3,000, so... uh, Mr. Swanger is uh, charged uh, with the uh, theft of the the porch. Porch piracy in the literal sense of the word. There you go. Uh, That is uh, today's broken news report. An update on the odd and unusual side of the news. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. When you're behind the wheel, it's okay to rock out to your music, but it's not okay to interact with your phone screen and electronic devices while driving. In most cases, anything more than a single touch or swipe is against the law. That means no texting, no typing, no scrolling, no shopping, no browsing. If an officer sees a violation, they can pull you over. So remember, Ohio, phones down. It's the law. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. We were talking before about uh, how young people are going about uh, their investing uh, differently than uh, previous generations, more proactive uh, than uh, older generations have. Not necessarily a good thing, but that's, uh, according to the data, uh, how they approach these things. It's not just that. New survey of uh, 2,000 Americans, young people, finds that most Gen Zers and Millennials prefer to spend their money to buy 
from ethical brands that truly care about people and the planet. Uh, 80% say they are likely to base their purchases on a brand's mission or purpose. And just over half uh, say that they look specifically for eco-friendly brands. Uh, 82% try to only buy products made of naturally sourced or naturally derived ingredients. 74% of respondents say that they are likely to boycott a brand or a company for crossing an ethical line and going against their personal values. And again, I think uh, older generations, we didn't really pay that much attention uh, to this. Yes, it was something that we were concerned about, but we didn't necessarily um, use that nece- uh, in, in basing our purchase decisions. But uh, young people do. Those in the survey say that they would willingly boycott brands or companies that mistreat or underpay their workers. 61% said that would be a reason they would not spend money uh, on a specific uh, brand product or uh, with a particular company. 61%. They mistreat or under underpay workers. 59% say that they would not spend money on a company or a brand that uses or mistreats animals in the production or testing and or testing of their products. Uh, 58%, I thought this was interesting, 58% would not uh, patronize a a brand or a company that they consider to be corrupt, although it doesn't say how they define that term, just corrupt. And uh, 51% uh, would willingly boycott a brand that is associated with racism or is non-inclusive in some way. Now, with all that being said... One in four Gen Zers and Millennials said that the quality of a product was the most important aspect to consider before making a purchase decision. 85% would rather spend money on something more expensive but of higher quality as compared to something cheaper that is of lower quality. And 60% said that they frequently look at a product's label and ingredients before purchasing. Uh, 78% of those surveyed said that they would be willing to go over their personal budget to buy products that they, that they love with the most appealing types of purchases being clothing, clothing, accessories, food, and self-care products. And, uh, to dig down into that a little bit further when asked what specific products that they would spend more or less on money on 74 percent said they would spend more on toothpaste 70 percent said they would spend more on deodorant 71 percent on home decor uh and 70 percent on entertainment that was of high quality all right the things that these gen zers and millennials are willing to spend less on i thought was uh, kind of interesting uh 35 percent said clothes would uh, buy something cheaper uh, with their clothes, not particularly married to the latest and greatest there. 36% said shampoo or conditioners. I guess they feel it's all pretty much the same. But 38% say that they would spend less on their phones, which kind of goes against type, doesn't it? Natalie and Jessica are here from the Humane Society of Hancock County. And who did you bring with us, uh, with you today? This is 
Maeve. Maeve. <laughs> she's a black lab mix. She's about five years old. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got Maeve because, oh, and a friend of hers that came with her, her name's Beckett. Mm-hmm. Um, their owner became homeless. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That so is that's so how we sad. got them. Yeah. Um, so I tell you what, she looks like she will fit in with just about <laughs> any family yeah. because uh, she is just a love bug. She's a typical lab mentality. Yeah. Very loving. She's a lab she, mix. Yes. Yep. She's a black lab mix. Um, you know, she's a little timid and shy at first in new situations, but then as you saw, like, when she got in, she's like, oh, okay, we're fine. Yeah, I, I <laughs> noticed that. She was uh, a little bit hesitant coming into the studio, uh, someplace she's never been, mm-hmm. but then, you know, warming up really, really quick. So that is, uh, will be a uh, an easy adjustment uh, <laughs> to uh, uh, become a part of a, of a new family. She obviously, you said you got two, uh, so she's fine with other dogs? Or I think like any dog, it just depends on the other dog. You know, it's, right. um, I mean, you just have to bring your dog in for meet and greet to make sure they get along. Right. And uh, she is available uh, now. Mm-hmm. She's available for adoption. A couple of years, uh, looks like. Five years old. Five years old. Uh-huh. Okay. So she's not like she's going to get any bigger. No, no, no. She's, she's probably about like 60 pounds. Yeah. Medium sized dog. Yeah. yeah. Really, really sweetheart uh, of a dog. Um, want to uh, talk a little bit about uh, something people might have heard of this, uh, heard this on the uh, news. Uh, earlier this week uh when folks lose a pet we often talk about uh the the pet going over the rainbow bridge you actually now at the humane society have an actual yes, rainbow we do. bridge we really do have a rainbow bridge yeah. at the humane society and it is like a concept that pet most pet owners know about when mm-hmm. you lose a pet they yeah. cross over the rainbow bridge and mm-hmm. they're waiting for you whether like if you believe in heaven the other side whatever you believe right. that is where your pet is mm-hmm. so we excuse me, we reached out, I reached out to a local landscaping company. Mm -hmm. It is Sky Landscaping, and they made the idea a reality. So we definitely are very grateful to them. So it's it's there at the Humane Society? It is. It is at the Humane Society. It's towards the front of the Humane Society. Okay. And the bridge is going to be used in conjunction with grief classes that we will be offering in the fall of mm-hmm. this year. Yeah. So I'll be offering pet loss classes. It's a six-week program. And then um, after the... <laughs> Excuse you. <laughs> after, during the classes, we'll probably visit the bridge throughout the classes. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards... Um, once the session the sessions end, if you want to leave like a collar or something on mm-hmm. the bridge, you'll be able to do that. There's like a there are lines there that you can kind of yeah. affix your stuff. To. Yeah, um, such a uh, such a cool concept because uh, this is this can be a, re- a really traumatic thing for a lot of uh, oh, people. Oh yes, yes it can. I, I know Jessica can attest to it. I've lost pets too. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you have lost pets. Oh yeah, it's yeah. it's. Definitely a huge part of you is gone because mm-hmm. pets with you, for, my cat, for instance, 17 years, mm-hmm. and that is a long time. Yeah. And then, boom, they're not there. It's right. like, poof. It's like, okay. Yeah. So. Um, the grief classes that you mentioned, they'll be coming up in the fall, and I know there are some of the details uh, have yet to work be worked out, exact dates and, and so on. But what are some of the things that you'll be talking about uh, during those grief classes? So I would like to talk. So if you're interested, you can email me at natalie at HancockHumaneSociety.com, and that'll be on our website mm-hmm. because I want people to really understand what it is. It's At first, 
I had to go through the process myself in order to become a trainer. And at first, I thought I was just going to learn the materials. Mm -hmm. But then when I went actually through it, I'm like, oh, my goodness. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Because all these emotions, like we are kind of taught like as a society that, sure, we love pets, but you kind of almost feel silly because they're just animals. They're just animals. Someone maybe just lost a spouse or lost a parent and Mm -hmm. within the group, I'm speaking for myself and I felt, oh, well, my cat just passed away. Like, Mm -hmm. but it was, it's, I learned that grief is grief. Right. You can't diminish someone's grief. We all have grief. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be a place where people can talk openly about their emotions. Yeah. you don't have to feel like you're alone because right. you're not alone. And, and you know, for some individuals, their pets are, you know, their closest companions. Okay. Uh, you know, it's it's not uh, necessarily, you know, if you don't have a spouse or you don't have children right. or don't have those individuals close, you know, your kids are no longer uh, home, then, you know, a parent or a pet can become sort of a surrogate child, right. if you will. Yes, so. that's absolutely true. So the loss definitely hits hard so Mm -hmm. hopefully the grief classes and the space will be it'll provide a a place a community of sorts Mm -hmm. for people to actually feel their emotions yeah um and again if folks want to sign up uh for this or want to get more information uh just an email yeah excuse me they could call at 419-423-1664 extension 124 but email is the best route Okay. And then I'll set up a time to All call right. and talk to you. Uh, and then, uh, again, that's uh, planned for uh, the fall. Yes. And uh, I'm sure that there will be a lot of uh, interest in that. We've got uh, more information at our webpage uh, on that as well at goodmornings.net. And then, of course, uh, you know, when you are ready to move on and welcome in another uh, animal. It's interesting, uh, too, that some people will uh, move on very quickly from that. It'll take uh, longer for others uh, to do that. But you've got plenty of uh, wonderful animals that are uh, ready for uh, to become a part of your family. We definitely do, don't we? We do. It's true. And I can't agree with you more. Like some families who come in, it takes them either days, weeks, or months, or to years to heal before they can fill that void. Mm-hmm. I need that instantaneous fill. Like, yeah. I have to have that mm-hmm. that, yeah. that fur you know, in my life, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, everyone, like you guys said, yeah, feels at their own pace. Different, and, yeah. <laughs> I, she is May- absolutely... <laughs> Maeve made her way over to yeah. Chris. Yeah. She is, uh, so she you- is exploring... She is exploring all over, and she is an absolute <laughs> sweetie. So She needs you. <laughs> this is the kind of... She strikes me as the kind of animal that can uh, help you uh, get over some of that grief yeah. really yeah. quickly. Uh, just so such a she's a sensitive soul, so yeah. she picks up on it. That's a perfect uh, way of putting it. Sensitive soul. Hey, uh, while we've uh, have you here too, would be remiss if we didn't mention real quickly. Uh, Going to be very hot uh, tomorrow, especially yes, hottest it day. Is. Uh, looks like it's going to be the hottest day of the summer. Heat index is going to be up into the the triple digits. A reminder that uh, animals don't handle that very they well. They do not. Yeah. They do not. They will stay out in it because they're outside, yeah. but they're not very good at at knowing that they need to come in. So yeah. you kind of got to step in. I, I've often find it found it interesting. Some dogs uh, will uh, deliberately 
fine shaded spots oh, yeah. and and kind of know instinctively that yeah. oh it's too hot. Yes. Others are like, will you know what? This is fun. This as if is they, fun. As if they have yeah. no clue. I know they their tongues on the ground. They're like, it's okay, we can do this. <laughs> no, yeah. So you really have to be aware of you, you know your dog's yes, you do. You propensity. Supervise them. Yeah. Supervise them. If you do take walks with them, go early in the morning mm-hmm. or late at night. Yeah. Like late at night where yeah. it's not the sun's not beating down on you mm-hmm. don't take them on as long as walks as mm-hmm. you normally do right just let them go, get out for a little bit let them use the restroom just and bring them inside just like for yourself limit that yes. amount of physical activity and too. please yeah. please do not take them anywhere with you like if you're gonna yeah. run to the store really quick just mm-hmm. leave them at leave home, them home. Yeah. do not put them in your car all great advice. Uh, again, uh, Natalie and Jessica here from the uh, Humane Society of Hancock County with Maeve, right? Yes. She's uh, absolutely adorable, available for adoption. Now, again, more information at our webpage, goodmornings.net. Ladies, thanks very much for dropping thank by. You. We appreciate it. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the program at our webpage, that, of course, goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the show, it's expected to be the hottest day of the summer with a heat index up into the danger zone. We'll tell you everything you need to know. Plus, it's the final chance to dispose of those household hazardous waste materials before you have to store them away for the winter. We'll have details. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.